It's early in the week for a breakdown pod, but because it is a massive week. Massive week because yesterday they named the first all-black squad for 2022, Ian Foster, John Plumtree, and for the last time, Grant Fox, as an all-black selector, picks his squad. Not necessarily his teams, of course, going into the test matches against Ireland, but his squad, and we've still got a Super Rugby Pacific final to look forward to this weekend, the big matchup. The Blues taking on the Crusaders at Eden Park. We all wanted it. We have got it. I'm hearing it is sold out already. This is the biggest game in Super Rugby history in a long, long time. But we're going to focus initially on the big announcements yesterday with Justin Marshall. Marshy has named his first squad. He only named 36 players. I expected to see some extras. There were not. There doesn't appear to be any injury cover right now. And there are six newcomers, possible debutants for the All Blacks series against Ireland. What were your initial thoughts when you saw the team firsthand? Yeah, hi, Jeff, uh, and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, look, it was reasonably predictable to me. Uh, I hear what you're saying in terms of the fact that there were there were no fringe players added, um, but I think he's got those resources to call on anyway, given that those first three tests against Ireland are here at home in New Zealand without any players uh, being called away to go anywhere. Um, and obviously with the New Zealand Māori playing as well. So he's got the ability, I guess, to call in players should he need them. Uh, and certainly think that having named six debuts, um alongside the regulars that uh, he's known has been tried and proven for him, particularly some of them over the last decade whilst he's been involved with the All Blacks. Uh, not a lot really jumps out of me, out at me as being surprising, to be honest. Wow, that's fascinating. In fact, you, you, know, you, don't, think, you don't think that maybe, maybe the selection of Dane Coles, given he hasn't played a lot of footy, football, Carlton Nukuafe is heading offshore after Ireland. I mean, they were pretty clear, to be fair, and they were open and honest in the press conferences yesterday and the discussions that we had with them about some of the reasoning behind this. And do you get the sense, though, as a coaching group, as a selection panel, they understand the importance, the serious importance for them as a team, as a management team, their performances against Ireland? Do you think that's why they're so adamant that this is a selection in isolation? To a degree, yes. I I totally agree with you. Look, there's no doubt that even though I didn't um, get any major shocks from the side that he named. I, I didn't just. I didn't agree with all of the selections. Um, you know, we certainly have got some unlucky players out there. There always are when you when you name an All Black side, uh, and form players quite often miss out, and and that's certainly um, been the case again in this selection. But you know, what I'm going to do is just get to give Fozzie a bit of rope, to be perfectly honest, and his coaching staff. And new coaches that have come in, uh, and and see, you know what what influence the, the likes of Joe Smith makes, um, Strawbridge, and to see whether or not that group of players that he has relied on with some new faces can evolve. That's the challenge. Now, now there's no doubt in my mind that you know the likes of Ethan De Groot probably should be in there if we want to catch up with the rest of the world and the way front rowers, rowers are playing. Now, look, no one can scrum like. Uh, um, to Anukuyafe and, and Laulala. But they can do plenty of other things that those guys can't in world rugby. A lot of the South African props, the Irish props in particular, uh, the English um, and, and, and the French and, and how mobile they are, laterally especially, are all 
better ball players, uh, better movers across the park. So what I'm saying to you in a nutshell is, righto, you, you know you have to evolve. You know you have to change the way we're playing because the rest of the world have not only caught up, they've gone past us. The players that you've picked who are not necessarily in the skill set that I've just mentioned, you're obviously still going to be able to evolve that game plan with them involved somehow. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree now that the, the team's been selected. I was quite happy up until yesterday at midday to debate and think about the guys I would like to see in an all-black jersey once I saw the side before it was announced as we were preparing to to do our interviews. I'm going, okay, I can understand some of the, um, the, the logic behind the selections and you're going, yes, there's another team for them to go into. Like you said, the, the Māori all-black side is, is named this week as well. So, you know, all of a sudden a number of players will be able to continue and play and now I sort of turn my attention to the fact that well this is the this is the team they've decided. Yeah, I'm now going to look and, and try and analyze and anticipate and look at to your point about how they evolve and who are the players that they've brought into the environment that are possibly going to make a difference to the way that they're going to play, but also how are the players who have been there in the past going to grow their game and be asked to possibly do a different job for the All Blacks, maybe something they didn't have to do last year. And there are guys returning from injury as well, you know. And and so, I mean, I, th- I thought there was a couple of really interesting points for me. And immediately when, you know, they were asked about Peter Gus Sawakula, what his role might be. And they were very, very quick, Marshy, to talk about the fact they saw him as a 6-8. And does that, does that tell the story of exactly what it is they're looking from their blindside flanker is the fact that they're looking for size and frame and is that so they can balance it up with Artie Savia at eight. That's how I read that in in my first analysis of the selections, particularly in the loose forwards, because I was only surprised they picked six and they already mentioned Tupovai as well as being a six option. Is that a, a clear indicator for you? It's a worrying indicator for me. I didn't. I didn't hear that. But in my mind, I felt that I was really pleased with the fact that they'd started to pick specialists. So Tutu's a specialist number eight. Peter Gasol is a specialist number eight. Adi Savia is a fill-in number eight. Yeah, admirably he does the job. But whether or not that's his best position, and whether or not our balance is best suited when he's at number eight in terms of height uh, from a number eight, and in, in, in terms of that that robust carry. You know, like Artie will carry hard, but he'll carry hard when he picks and goes from a breakdown. He, he's not a great distributor post-contact, whereas uh, Sawakula in particular is a very good distributor post-contact. So what I, what I liked was the fact that we were picking players who, who are genuine for their position and, and the fact that we'd moved away from shuffling someone between eight and six. Oh, yeah, he's eight, but he can play six as well. Oh, yeah, he's a six, but he can play eight. That, that, that worries me that they said that because I feel we need to move away from messing around with players and changing their jerseys. Pick them where they're best. If you're the best blindside in the country, you're big and strong, and that's the type of back row we want, then pick him as a six. Don't say that he can play eight as well or vice versa. So that that is a concern for me. Um, I certainly think that Tupuvai can play on the blind side of the scrum, um, even though he's been picked as a lock. Uh, but 
Um, the rest of them, I think they've just got to scrap for positions. You know, like I, the, we're, we've had great back rows of the past, and you know this, Goldie. You know, you, you go back to Josh Cromfield, Michael Jones, and Zambrook, Kieran Reid, uh, Jerome Kano, and Richie McCaw. Where, when, have we, when have we replaced uh, that back row of McCaw, Kano, and Reid? We haven't because we've been messing Artie around. We've tried Sam Kane at eight. We've tried Sotutu there. We've never really found somebody to fit that that uh, position specifically, and and that does concern me a little. If they were throwing out the fact that these players can play multiple condition uh, positions, because other teams in the world aren't doing that. In, in some ways, it's, it's probably you know Artie Savia himself during Super Rugby last year talked about the fact that it wasn't his preferred position. Yeah. But the all black captain's the open side flanker, so he'll just get on with mm. it. Okay, if I have to play eight, I have to play eight. You know, and the Hurricanes, in some ways, they themselves are in a similar position where they had Duplessis Karifi, and so you know, Artie's become. He, I say at the international level, I'm not sure he is a pure number eight, given the the size and impact and the nature of the way the game is played, and that's why. You know, I, I still put great value in what Sam Kane brings at the international level. Yep. I really do in terms of his relentlessness and his, and his physicality. You know, um, would like him to be a, a bit more durable right now, but I mean, here's a guy who'll put it on the line. So I, I'm fascinated as well about where they see Akira Ioane mm. in terms of his form compared to where he was at his best last year and the expectations of what they would expect against Ireland and whether or not they're not 100% sure... I imagine they are. You would expect they are sure about the combination of the loose boards. But to to your point, I think we've got a, a, a bit of a similar similar about Satutu and Sawakula and, and mm. where is the point of difference going to be? And that's why I thought Shannon Frizzell in some ways is, is one of the, the guys who's ultimately a little bit unlucky. Um, the fact he didn't, I thought he played outstanding in, in the early part of the season, but they've gone down this this direction. Yeah. Are you a hundred percent comfortable, Marshy, with if we go into the first test match, say with Aaron Smith and Finlay Christie, right? We're, we're still getting to know Falau Fakatava. Yeah. If we lost Aaron Smith, Aaron Smith in the first test match, how comfortable would you be going into the second with Finlay Christie and Falau Fakatava as your halfback pairing? I wouldn't be uh, as comfortable as what I would if Aaron Smith was still fit. Um, it would worry me if. Uh, we had to rely on Falau Fakataba. Should Finlay Christie start, Falau Fakataba had to come on in the fifth or tenth minute and, and control a game from there. Not just play, but control a game. You know, work, work a test match, work field position. Um, he, he still hasn't got the right requirements kicking game-wise um, to play internationally under more pressure. Uh, and for him to, to macro-manage a game, if he had to come on and do it in that environment for 70 minutes, that would concern me. Uh, certainly don't have any problems if we were to lose Aaron Smith and Finlay Christie had to come on in the fifth to ten minute because they're, they're similar players. They, they bounce out every Finlay Christie probably bounce out uh, a bit better from the ruck um, than, than Aaron Smith at the moment, so he can bring other players into the game. So he's got a slightly better skill set in that area. His pass is um, as is, isn't as good as Aaron Smith, but whose is in the world? Um, yeah. But but in general, that that wouldn't concern me. But the other way, the flip side of it you throw Aaron Smith out of the mix, that would really concern me. But I didn't think, and I think I've said this to you before, that they, I didn't think they could pick all three of the, the of the halfbacks um, that, that they've been using recently, which was Smith, Weber and Finley Christie, because 
again, we have to come back to evolution. And if we want to evolve and we want to have players threatening around the ruck, but being good post-contact, like Dupont, he's a handful. He frees up so much space for, for uh, Intermac, um, the way he plays. He sp- frees up so much space for his Lucy's because he has to be considered by one and a half to two defenders every time he carries. And Aaron Smith simply is not in that stratosphere. He doesn't do that. So that's the reason Fakatab is there and, and, and probably very harsh on TJ Perinari, but he's, that he's missing out. But to go back yeah, all the way to your, your ultimate question, the answer would be no. He's 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 too green, Fakatava. So they've gambled on him, I think, big time. They're hoping, obviously, he's going to grow in the environment. How easy how easy is it for you out of this group to pick a starting fifteen? Yeah, I find it quite easy, but I wouldn't. I, I guarantee you, you, even you, wouldn't put the starting fifteen that I would pick. But I'm, what I'm thinking about is where we have been lost in the last two years, and so. Yep. For us to evolve, you know, like I said, I would pick a genuine number eight, a guy who's super explosive off the back of the scrum. I used to love when I was playing when I was playing with Zinzan Brook. I just knew that he was, you know, he's just so committed off the back. He had a certain amount of he had all the skills of a number eight, and you could mm-hmm. really rely on him. But um, you know, like my point is into the back line. I, the reason that Leicester firing Anuku is there because we've been picking too many like for like players. You can't play yep. David Harvey and Anton Leonard Brown because they're both lateral players, good distributors, but you lose punch in the midfield, like we had with Nonu like we had with Lomapi. So I would play Geordie Barrett there. They've picked them in the outside backs. He's six foot four. He's over a hundred kegs. He plays tough. He runs hard. He's going to he's going to hold defenders, and then you can afford to play someone with a, a bit more skill at centre, like a Rico with an outside break or a Jack Goodhue. Uh, and I'd throw Lestifying Anuku into the mix simply because you need we need power back. If if your centres aren't carrying that power and your ten doesn't want to go there from set piece, we bring those wingers in. And 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 you you need a player who's still got good ability to score tries in the corner, but can go through the middle as well. And Sebu Reese can't go through the middle, and neither can Rico Yuani. Our wingers at the moment can't. To a degree, Caleb Clark can, but. You know, he's still, in my mind, you know better than me, Goldie, he, he, still, he still sits and waits for the ball too much. Uh, he's still learning. He's still young and green. Buying Anuku's grown, like, he's grown so substantially in the last two years, the way he gets around the park. Um, so, yeah, and, and sorry, and that's why much. now you've got Geordie in the midfield. Will Jordan plays his best position. Um, and you know, you then then you then you pick a genuine winger, a Rico who's quick, or a Sevu who's quick, and uh, and you got that power on the other side. So yeah, my team would be vastly different from the one they're going to pick. I guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the that's the interesting point about this evolution you're talking about is the yeah. fact that, that that's a path that Ian Foster they're not prepared to go down that path just yet. Yeah, and and look, Geordie Barrett was really good for the All Blacks at fullback last year. Yep. But there's an and this is one of the aspects I want to talk to you about, Marshy. When you talk about the fifteen, the twenty three, all those sorts of things, and you talk about the the impact players you can have, and I start looking at the squad, right? And then it, it quite often, you know, history tells us through this great era of success the All Blacks have had is that you know if I was to tell a story of an eighty minutes of the eighty minutes, the story of how we dominate on the scoreboard and win is on the la- in the last 20. And it, even for me, a worrying sign has come out of the last two weekends of Super Rugby where 
the team that's won has not been the team that's dominating the last 20, which is coming out. Mm. They're actually holding on. Yeah. And I look at it and go, when you're putting together this first squad and first team and you put guys a significantly different combination together, by then I look at the next eight that come on who have to finish the game and that mindset around us going up a gear. And if I was going to, I mean, quite generally when you're going up a gear, you're not putting on experience, are you? No. You know, you're not you're not putting on experience. You're putting youthful and uh, exuberance. And then remembering uh, and that impact used to be Artie Savia. It used to be um, Bowden Barrett. Um, it used to be a Damien McKenzie. You know, that was our uh, impact. Um, you know, Tawita Kubalo came on and he used to impact the game slightly differently. But you know where I'm coming from in terms of mm-hmm. it's that going up a gear and, and, and then going, no, 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 we're going to defend our lead. Uh, and... I think it's in some ways for me, it's a mindset of when we, we look at this group and you look at a Leicester flying Anuku, you're going, if he doesn't start, is there a risk of putting him on the bench? Well, there might be a risk, but it, it's risk and reward. The reward is we can go out and explode onto the field or you go the other way and you go and you play it maybe a little bit safer and you, you've got your, I don't know, your um, Jack Goodshoes or something on the bench. You know, you're going, well, that's not going to change a game. You know that's only going to cover cover positions, and I'm I'm fascinated to see our mindset because your mindset clearly is you're you're looking at um, a different combination in the midfield, which severely changes the role of of our fullback because Geordie Barrett is 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 good in the air, um, is is tough with ball in hand. He's a very very good defender. He can hit hits hard. You know he carries strongly, but he doesn't necessarily create right. No. Whereas Will Jordan's he's not he he's got similar but no, they're not his strengths. His strengths is he's he is fast, he's lightning quick. Um his kicking game's probably not as powerful but still very effective, but he's looking to run first, right? His his mindset you can tell is run first but still create for others. I, I you know, I'm fascinated on your thoughts about, you know, is, is that a concern for you? I I'm worried about the last twenty mindset of our group. No, I, I want to see us go back to um, having the ability that that, the, that all black rugby DNA has more so than the rest of the world, which is this ability to play on instinct and, and bring individuals into the game that can change a game and, and to get them involved in the game more than often. I'm, I'm, I'm over the, the compensating. So compensation to me is uh, move, move Will Jordan to the wing um, because we've got to find a place for uh, Geordie because he's got a goal kick because th- th- if we pick Bowden, he can't. Now, that's just bullshit, if you ask me, because that, that's basically saying we're, we are manipulating around a team to, to, to try and get players on the field worrying about areas that they should be proficient because they're all blacks. Now, if Bowden Barrett can't be trusted to kick goals in the test match, then Richie Mwanga starts. And, and and to me, Will Jordan just brings too much X factor to the game. And and why take a Christian Cullen out of the game when you can you can build a game around him? And and you don't shift him to the wing, you know, like the All Blacks tried to do. If he's not good enough, he'll get left out. Um, and so I'm I'm on the mindset that we've specifically got to start picking players where they're going to be utilized the best and where their best skill set is. And and in my mind. Uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot out of what Geordie Barrett can do at 12 that the All Blacks could really benefit off. 
you know, I'm, I'm not convinced Roger Tuivasa-Shek has totally earned his spot. I think they see the potential in him, but he's not a test player yet. No way he's a test player. And, and I don't feel that um, it would be fair to throw him out there either. I think he's another player like Fakatava who's been put into the environment so they can figure him out and, and see what he's going to be like. But So that leaves 12 open to me. And where do, where do we go? Yeah. Do we go where we were last year or do we evolve Goldie? Do we go where the rest of the, rest of the world are and get ahead of them? Because we've got better players than them. But we're just not, at the moment, we're stuck in this conundrum of playing players um, simply in jerseys that they, they haven't earned or they're not best in because we feel we've got to get the best players out there somehow so we jumble them all up. Yeah, and it, it, we're probably in a really unique situation where where we've actually got a lot of players who double up in the same position. Yes, yeah. You know, and, and, and that, exactly to your point where you're going, where they, uh, they'll bring a different type of value, but the value is, is reasonably equal. Yeah. And so you're making this really tough choice of, okay, um, because like you've just said, though, it's not necessarily playing Geordie Barrett out of position, but it's a position that, that he hasn't played for the All Blacks. And they're them not probably trusting or believing that that's the right option for them. And, and that's my mindset of, I like what you're talking about Will Jordan for, because to me that would be a significant shift in mindset about how we will how we be prepared yes. to play. But they've already indicated that that they were actually comfortable they were making making good ground last year on their game plan. Now, we, you and I are not convinced nope. on that. Um, they're saying they want it, they're, they've just got to make some tweaks. Um, we... We are certainly in a position, though, where we have a huge amount of talent. Like the, and that's something we've never been short mm. of. The one area I am a little bit concerned at, though, is is once again is is in our front row. Um, you know, is that is it, is Samasone Tokiaho? I mean, I think on form, on performance, on what he did last year. Um, you know, Cody Taylor just doesn't appear to be playing at his best rugby right now. He's picked up a little bit of a calf niggle. That's an area of concern for me right now. Um, that sort of durability, you know, hopefully Dane Coles can stay injured. But, you know, we talked about it right at the top. You know, we've got to find something out about our front row really quickly. Off Tuanga Fussy, I think, clearly is an international class prop. He's shown the signs. But pretty much you'd have to think that and Angus Tatavao had a big shift in Christchurch, but that's not Test Match footy. Is this probably the one area we need to find out where these guys can get to and, and really invest some time? Or are we having to wait now until after the Island Series because we've committed to Carlton um, uh and, and this is a big series for Nepal Alala as well. Yeah, look, I get not don't totally um, believe believe in it, and and I'm not entirely convinced that it, it, it shows me that we are prepared to, to, to innovate and, and to be different and, and how we're thinking about front rowers. Look, there's no doubt that we got to a point in the world where people were following the way that the All Blacks were playing and the way that they were selecting their front rowers. They had a super foundation of, of, of scrum, of line-out with props that, um, you know, could carry hard. Um, but but also we're very very good set piece wise, so it enabled the All Blacks to launch uh, really well off uh, you know very good set piece, and it enabled them to to arm wrestle teams into games when they they didn't want to be arm wrestled in, in, into a, a tight contest. Uh, and so we built 
a good foundation around that. And there's nothing better than having a good solid scrum and good solid line-out lifters and being able to launch and your strike moves off that. But but then, but then the world, the world, cha- and the laws of the game changed, and and that the ball stays in play a lot more. And so those big props, those big guys that are not so good lateral, all of a sudden get more fatigued. And by the time they get to scrum and line out, that they don't have the the, um, the 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 lungs that they used to have because the game is moving too quickly now, you know. And 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 I and I feel that's where. Other props in the world are still very good scrummages, maybe not a Laulala or a Tuanukuafe, but but they have much more game about them. And all of a sudden, they are yeah. challenging defenders, holding defenders. You know, they they are they are throwing um, behind balls to transition runners. They they are doing things that we expect back rowers to do. And and we we have not put pick props like that. Ethan De Groot's probably the best prop in the country at doing that, like from what I've seen. Um, yeah, you know, he he can pull a pass back behind two front runners, two tip runners, and hit a hit a ten or eleven or whoever coming out. So, yeah, again, it, mm-hmm. it worries me that we are we've gone conservative, Goldie. Now, look, this is a big series, and and the Irish props that they they showed us how to play last year. So maybe they've gone conservative now with the, the with the ability to open the playbook a bit, and maybe look at evolve in that front row later in the season but why bloody hell not just get on with it now you know <laughs> yeah yeah i know i think in some ways though but but you know i think they they in some ways i get the sense they're almost feeling and treating this like a like a lion series mm. in the past right where it's just about winning this this series and even maybe the first two test matches of the rugby championship against south africa is about them winning because that'll be their biggest Probably, if you think about the course of the season, they would look at the first five test matches as probably being the biggest challenge. Yet we know the end of year tour is always difficult, but it's it's not facing the caliber that they faced last year. It's not facing France. It's not facing Ireland. So, I think if I look at it, they're going these first five test matches. We build a winning culture. We get some success. You know, we build some confidence in our ability to win in in in. The tightest of conditions, because we could imagine July in New Zealand. We know what that can get like. The one one thing I'd ask you though, and you, you mentioned, is that there's there's I said six uh, six new caps, right? Possible new caps: Aiden Ross, Peter Gustavakula, Falau Fakatava, uh, Stephen Pitafeta, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and Lester Fyinganuku. Of those guys, who do you think is is has the most or, or is most likely to get an opportunity to play early in the series? Well, are you asking me if I was coaching, or are you asking me with the current coaches? <laughs> no, 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 with the current coaches about how you think they might be thinking. You know, the, of those six guys, because they've, they've brought the, I mean, they brought them in yep. to find out. But are, are, are any of those six? And you've already talked about Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and they almost said that in a roundabout way yesterday as well. They talked about, you know, that they understand he's still a work in in, in you know, his yep. project. He's, He's still yep. a work in progress. So I yeah. sort of understand that, you know, because I think you and I can yep. see the ability, right? And if he doesn't if he doesn't go into the All Blacks, where does he go? And how does he get how does he continue to build on? I think it's a really solid start as a rugby player. Like he's you know, the, 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 there's some little things you'd love to see him do better, but you can't argue with the athleticism and you can't argue with the fact that the, there's a lot to likes. And you're not gonna need thirty six in game one, are you? So I don't mind that, but of the other guys, who who do you think are most likely to to, to see some important game time? 
Um, look, I mean, to be perfectly honest, when I think about it, I, 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 like I'd like to see Soa Cooler. I really yep. want to see that that number eight um, that can just offer us a point of difference. You know that, like I said, that post contact offload. Uh, the 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 back of the scrum is something that we have we've alienated ourselves from, and in, in the last couple of years since Kieran Reid left, um, we, we've got this fixation around obviously the, you know the, the 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 pattern that we are playing and where those players should be ending up on the field. You know, like oh, well, we got to we got to work it so that then you know they're one or two in, and um, then they can do some damage and, and I think we've got to get our mindset away from that you know we can do massive damage at source and, and if we if we have a number eight that is explosive off the back you know beats beats flankers with speed can get to a 10 can offload to you know 10s 12s wingers coming in off the shoulder and all of a sudden because what you want to do what we've found is what you want to do you want to bend the line and if you can bend it at, 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 at set piece and bend it at source, that gets your momentum going. And then instinctively, we get into the game. We start bringing players with footwork, with skill set, with vision into the game. If at source we are only get not, not, we're not even getting advantage line and we're trying to do that quick ball game with Aaron Smith there as fast as, as he is delivering that lightning quick ball, We've found that that's not working for us because the fences are just getting up too quick and shutting us down. So, you know, Sola Cooler and firing a Nuku who can bend the line off uh, set piece are players that I, I believe we've got to get into the game to be able to give us momentum to bring those other players that then are so very good off quick ball back into the game. Where we've been stifled recently in the last couple of years is that we haven't been able to get good momentum in that area, and then we are operating off a lot slower ball than what we were a decade ago, and, and winning World Cups from because teams have worked that out. They've worked. They, they've they've said stop them getting really quick balls, slow down Aaron Smith's delivery, getting us on the back foot, go forward to them, and get in their face, and they look lost, and we've looked lost. So, Marshy, there's two and a half weeks then. We've got two and a half weeks of preparation time. The players that aren't involved in the Super Rugby Pacific final are in camp for a few days later in the week. That means most of the players are here in Auckland yeah. because between the Blues and Crusaders, they've got the majority of the team. So this is essentially, if you're talking about people being ready to play Ireland, we've got a final, which I think is a really positive thing for me, is the fact they've got one last high-intensity, a seriously high-intensity hit-out, before they get together and prepare for Ireland. So when it comes to this weekend and the fact that we hope that everyone, and we pray that everyone comes through the game unscathed, but it's going to be a war. You're coming to Auckland. What are you expecting? What are you expecting from this game, even now that there are players who are in the All Blacks and there are players who are not in the All Blacks? Does that add a little bit of spice to the contest? Oh, absolutely it does. Like what you've already seen with uh, our messaging that's gone between all of our talent that are working this weekend about what we want to see and, and, and the matchups, it's ridiculous. You know, they're, they're across the board. So that, that creates a good competitive environment because as much as you're out there doing what you want to do for the team and, and winning a final, you're also, you are competing against that guy opposite you. And, and I think that's bloody important. And I think, again, like you said, it's a, a massive positive for the All Black selectors to be able to see a lot of these matchups going head to head, you know, your Mwanga and Barrett's and, and et cetera. So, 
very, very, very vital. But what I want to see is what I'd love to see, and I know what finals can be like. I'd like to see the two teams that have utilised their skill set, their game plan, and their and brought all of their key elements into this competition this year, uh, and formulated themselves getting to the final to be able to utilise all of those strengths and produce us a game of rugby where where we traditionally see two New Zealand teams play against each other. Okay, go out there and go right. Oh, we'll play. You play, and let's see who comes out on top. Let Let's hope it's not becomes a defensive orientated score, players go insular uh, type of game where no nobody's wanting to express themselves for fear of making a mistake and for fear of making a mistake in a final that cost you a final, but for fear of making a mistake now that you either are all black or aren't an all black because of the way you'll be looked down on. Look, you make a very very good point there. I mean, I, I look at this and you're going because now all of a sudden. You're actually, as an all-black, you've been selected. You're actually being yep. judged on your performance, right? Even before, and it was no different when we played, right? It was no different when we played a game of club rugby and we even played for our province or, you know, the moment you got selected for the all-blacks. It was uh, you're getting judged on, on the standard of you're an all-black, so your level should be here. So for these guys who are playing this weekend, in the biggest stage, all of a sudden, people will be judging their performance. And if a player who's not in the All Black squad comes out and outperforms you, it puts you under pressure and you go, well, it's a team game. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But that's just an element of dealing with another pressure, that level and pressure of expectation. And that is probably one of the biggest challenges facing this All Black team right now is the fact that everyone's expectation is they need to be better than they were at the back end of last year. And that's not the full story of their season last year but it was the most recent memory. And so for the fans, they're looking at this weekend and going, yes, we won a great contest. I agree with you 100% is the fact that we saw these two teams last week play no rugby in the second mm. half. Yeah. None. And, and, and they went into their shells. And, and I don't want to see that in, right from the start, and I don't want to see that in the context of this game with the fact that we've got to go out and win it. Surely that's the mindset. Let's go out and win this, and then because I think that's the danger when you see this sort of talent, um, uh, this sort of talent on show on the weekend is if you put if you play within your shell, um, it, it might take only one or two moments of brilliance. And if you haven't had a crack, there's nothing worse if you haven't had a crack, eh, Marshy? Um, so in saying that, given what you know, and I, and and the two teams you've seen them play enough this season, the Blues are at home, the Crusaders are on the road. This is a championship-quality franchise up against a team that believes they're good enough. How close do you see it being on the weekend? Incredibly close. It's going to come down to, you know, as, as we all know in finals, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. It's going to come da- down to a couple of really key moments. And, 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 you know, we don't know what they're going to be, but it's whoever mentally has the capacity to get through those moments and to, and to prosper and to thrive. That, that will be the key for me. Off the back of what you were saying, you know, the, the Crusaders have to go in with a, a huge amount of momentum from their previous success. There's no, there's no expectation. There's no pressure on them. They've been to the big dance plenty of times before and won it. It's just another trophy in their cabinet. Whereas the Blues have got that pressure of, is this a year? Can we finally get it done? You know, and that, that, that can weigh you down. And secondly, 
what we talked about with the All Blacks. They won't be the Crusaders All Blacks, those experienced All Blacks that have been there, not like the youthful All Blacks from the Blues, won't be bought into any false illusion that what they do out there in a final will cost them their All Black jersey or promote their All Black jersey. They'll know deep down it doesn't have a, a, a single thing to do with it. And so, again, they have less baggage. That's the one thing I would say. The Crusaders have less baggage. So get to those micro minutes of the game. In a close game, like I said, it will be. They've probably got the edge. Mate, it's sold out. Oh, mate. Sold out really good. Oh, I wonder no. how many red and blacks are going to be there traveling from, from Christchurch for once. Oh. It'd be good to see them get out of their hole, get up there and support the Crusaders because the Crusaders are going to need it. It's too late, mate. The Blues <laughs> bought all the tickets and then on sold them. That's what they did. They bought all the tickets and then they on sold them. They got them on, on Viago, whatever it was. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. It'll be enough. They'll come out of the woodwork, mate. Looking forward to seeing you on the weekend. Travel well before you uh, before we catch up on Saturday, which is going to be some sort of great night. Can't wait, Goldie, any time, mate. Stay on the line. So we upload.